The New Orleans Saints could have tried to sign Frank Clark, and maybe they did, but they couldn't get it done. And to that, I say, boy, bye. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into another episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much, as always, for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget, you could subscribe for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss a daily episode. And if you want to keep the conversation going, you can do so one-on-one with me over at jointsubtext.com slash locked on saints. As always, I am your host, Ross Jackson at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, your New Orleans Saints expert, credential member of the media, senior writer and reporter over at Saints News Network, Sports Illustrated's fan nation site covering the New Orleans Saints. You can also catch me every Tuesday on the Locked on NFL podcast and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked on Saints. And today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on NFL. And when you enter the promo code locked on NFL, all one word in all caps, they're going to throw in a Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler. You got it right. Cheer um, with every single order. Going to tell you more about them here in a little bit. But on today's episode, that's what I'm ready to get to here. We're going to take a look at three players that we want to see more of going into minicamp. Now, some of them are for reasons because of underperformance during OTAs. Others, like safety Jordan Howden, the New Orleans Saints rookie who they drafted in this year's draft, just because it was so exciting to see what he had and he made such a big impression. We want to see more. So we're going to get to that. But first, did the New Orleans Saints miss out on edge rusher Frank Clark, who is now a Denver Bronco. Frank Clark signing a $7.5 million contract with the Denver Broncos. Could the New Orleans Saints have matched that price and brought Frank Clark to the New Orleans Saints? The answer is, uh, could they have? Yes. Yeah. They've got about $14 million in open cap space that they could have used to get that done, but they didn't, or maybe they tried. He didn't want to come to New Orleans. Maybe he wanted to stay in the AFC West and battle off with the Kansas City Chiefs and all that. But I got to tell you, I highly doubt that the New Orleans Saints were interested in Frank Clark. And there's actually a couple of reasons for this. I know everybody's seeing my button-down shirt today. I decided to spruce it up a little bit for a live episode, our final live episode of the week. So, you know, we're chilling. Uh, So the way that I look at it is that Frank Clark is one of those players that comes with some off the field history. Now that hasn't stopped the New Orleans Saints before. They went after Deshaun Watson. Of course, they have the recent situation this past off or this offseason where they brought in uh, John Gruden as a consultant, things like that. But when it comes to players, usually the Saints tend to take a look at character, take a look at whether or not they fit in the locker room, all of that kind of stuff, and kind of prioritize that. So there might have been that when it comes to the Frank Clark situation. But I got to tell you, The New Orleans Saints had the opportunity in this year's draft to draft several players that fit the same Frank Clark, smaller edge rusher, speed edge rusher mold. And what did they do? They passed on them to go for 
their usual prototype at the edge rusher position in six foot five, 264 pound uh, Isaiah Foskey. Now, there's a lot of high hopes for Isaiah Foskey, as well as there are high hopes for guys like Carl Granderson and Peyton Turner, both of which also, by the way, fit the mold of what the New Orleans Saints usually like to utilize and bring in to man their edge rusher position to handle on their defensive line. So the way that I look at this for the New Orleans Saints is that not only were there potentially the off-the-field concerns when it comes to Frank Clark, but there might have been concerns about making him fit into their defense as well. And there's a lot of situations where maybe somebody might look and say, hey, well, the Saints maybe have a missing ingredient here when it comes to those speedy edge rushers and all of that. I've certainly said that when we were looking at guys like Felix Anudike Ozama coming out of TC, er, TCU, Kansas State, coming out of Kansas State in this year's past draft and said, hey, maybe this is somebody that they can bring in that can help them with their mobile quarterback issues and all of that. But the Saints have actually taken a different route to doing that. They go for a guy like Isaiah Foskey, who has the big body, tall, lengthy, long, you know, type of prototype that they love at the position, but that also packs quite a bit of speed, quite a bit of agility to hopefully help out with that. But they also went a step further and they brought in former college defensive coordinator, most recently an analyst with Alabama's defense before that defensive coordinator with the Florida Gators, Todd Grantham. And part of why they brought him in was to get him to kind of help them out with dealing with the mobile quarterbacks, the RPOs and things like that. So the Saints have taken an interesting and I think uniquely positive approach to how they want to handle the mobile quarterback game that they're about to have to deal with several times over, especially within their division now that Bryce Young is a part of it. So the Saints have looked for opportunities to still find ways to be able to add to their defense in ways that will benefit them with where they have struggled in the past, which is more consistent pressure up the middle. You see the, the pass rushing prowess of guys like Colin Saunders, as well as Nathan Shepard, and then, of course, Brian Brzee, but then also trying to add speed over on the edges with, guy, with a guy like Isaiah Foskey, and then hoping that guys like Peyton Turner turn a corner, as well as, of course, um, uh, Carl Granderson. You hope that he picks up super well in terms of what it is that he's been able to. Uh, you know, picks up where he left off last year. So I do think that there are some things that the Saints have done, and then uniquely they go out and they they work with the defensive line coach to bring him in and try to help out that way. So while I think that Frank Clark could have been an interesting addition for the New Orleans Saints at six foot three, two hundred and sixty pounds, he would have been undersized for the New Orleans Saints standards, where you usually look for six four, six five, six six type players. The other piece to all of that is that you also look at the fact that he weighed in. Anywhere between 250 to 270 pounds so far throughout his NFL career. So where his playing weight was, where it is that he has played his best ball has been a little bit on the lighter side as opposed to more recently on the heavier side. So for the Saints, they might not see him as a fit. Now, this doesn't close the book on the New Orleans Saints bringing in a veteran pass rusher to help them out. And a good example of that is the guy that I've been harping on maybe too much, but I don't mind uh, in Yannick Ngakwe. This is a guy that's had at least eight sacks every single season of his career. Nice to put that consistency and get that uh, get that involved in a part of the rotation opposite a guy like Cam Jordan, who has also been remarkably consistent, having at least seven and a half sacks since 2012, the year after he was drafted. So when I look at the New Orleans Saints and I look at their defensive line, I don't think that missing out or not signing Frank Clark came down to a sense of missing out. I think that it more so came down to a sense that he's not a fit 
and wasn't going to be a fit in this defense. And the New Orleans Saints, very particular about the players that they utilize to build their defensive line. And just looking at some of the stuff that Frank Clark has already had to deal with throughout his career, and in thinking about the guy that is the tone setter on the defensive line and Cameron Jordan, one of these things is not like the other. So to Frank Clark and to the idea of signing Frank Clark for the New Orleans Saints, I say boy bye, and I think the New Orleans Saints should not yet be closing the book on the idea of bringing in a veteran edge rusher because they still very much can do that. Now is the time that you might see some of those veteran players sign contracts because OTAs are done. They're not going to have the expectation of showing up for voluntary workouts, putting themselves at risk on what's probably going to be a cheap one-year deal, all of that. Yannick Ngakwe now has a ceiling in terms of what his contract can look like because his contract's probably not going to be as much as Frank Clark's. And that's good news for New Orleans because that also kind of keeps that ceiling a little bit low for them. So I'm all about that. I see a lot of people talking about Chase Young as a potential pursuit as well. I'm a little bit lower on Chase Young than most are. But hey, if you can trade a couple of day three picks and get him here in New Orleans, I'm all about it. I just wouldn't give up any day two, round two type selections or anything like that for a guy that has been dealing with injury and really like had the had the good, strong start, but has kind of tapered off because of those injuries later, especially knowing the Saints history with injuries. I don't feel like overvaluing and overinvesting in a guy that has been recently dealing with those and bringing him here to New Orleans is the smartest idea. So I'm all about Yannick Ngakwe, a little bit of a pause button for me on Chase Young. Coming up next, it's not just about the veterans here in New Orleans, it's the rookie class as well. And in particular, one guy has continued to impress, and that is rookie safety Jordan Howden. How has he done it? And the two players that he has conveniently been a blend of that make him a perfect fit for this New Orleans Saints defense. We got that coming up for you as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked on Saints brought to you by Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs, the number one spot for me when it comes to buying some of that athleisure apparel. What is more popular in 2023 than athleisure apparel. Nothing is the answer. Uh, and so I love what Bird Dogs does. Um, you have every bit of option available to you. You want something that looks like a dress pant, but has the stretch. The stretch khakis are perfect for you. You're looking for something to go out there and run in in any amount, in any kind of weather. The joggers are perfect for you. You're looking for some shorts, but you want to be able to select your inseam length whether or not it's got lining effectively, build your own perfect pair of shorts. Bird Dogs is perfect for you. So you're gonna wanna go and check them out today. I've got four pairs of Bird Dogs, absolutely love them. And the way that you're gonna be able to get a hold of them is simple. Head over today to birddogs.com slash locked on NFL. Use the promo code locked on NFL, all one word, all caps as well. You're gonna get a free Yeti style tumbler, custom made Bird Dogs right here. I have it right here if you wanna see it on video. Love this thing. Super excited to have it and adding it to my uh, long running coffee collection. So you can find that again. That's birddogs.com slash locked on NFL for that free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take those bird dogs off once you get them. I promise you that. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Thanks as always for making us your first listen of the day every day and for being here and continuing to support whether you're watching live or you're watching later. I'm seeing a whole bunch of people that are saying, hey, Ross, why not trade for Aaron Donald? I don't have any reason why you shouldn't trade for Aaron Donald if Aaron Donald is on the market. Look, the Rams are going to be awful this year. They've got maybe two good players, maybe three good players. 
So sure, if he's on the market and you can trade for him, trade for him. But that doesn't solve your veteran edge rusher position. Does give you a ton of pass rushing prowess on the interior, however. Do I think that Aaron Donald is going to be a New Orleans Saint? No. Uh, <laughs> but a lot of that just comes down to where does Aaron Donald feel like he can win another ring? Where does he feel like he can play out the rest of his career? Doesn't feel like New Orleans is that place, but hey, maybe I'm wrong. And if you're the Rams, you want to trade him as far away from you as possible, probably not to the NFC. You're probably going to want to trade him over to the AFC. And certainly uh, Aaron Donald would love to go to uh, you know a team like the Buffalo Bills or the Kansas City Chiefs or something like that. So let's take a look at Jordan Howden here because he's, he's really where I want to go. Um, somebody's got a question here in the chat that I love. Ross, Smoke Monday. Here we go. Zero days since last since last Smoke Monday question. Is he competing for safety snaps? Smoke Monday is playing literally everywhere, literally everywhere in in in, in the secondary. Uh, so he's competing everywhere. Slot, uh, corner, uh, safety, both safety spots, box safety, dropping back into coverage, all that. And similar to that is Jordan Howden. Jordan Howden, the Minnesota Golden Gopher safety that the Saints selected in the fifth round of this year's NFL draft. Fifth round? Yeah, fifth round of this year's NFL draft. Um, he has made what I can only describe as a top flight impression on the New Orleans Saints so far. Every person that you ask about him will tell you that the Saints love him. Everyone within the Saints organization will tell you that they love him, and it's for good reason. Um, this is a guy that has a ton of experience all over the places that the Saints really value. He's got split safety experience where he can split the field with another safety in like a cover two or a cover four situation where your role as a safety is to take away half the field or the middle quarter of the field, right? Um, there is also a situation here to where the Saints love what he can do as a single high safety because he's shown some prowess there in terms of uh, what he did while he was at Minnesota. Now, he doesn't have the interception um uh, you know, numbers and things like that that wow you, but he has his ability to make plays on the ball. Over 20 passes defense throughout his time at Minnesota. He has done a ton, ton of good work there. Um, he's also somebody that can play in the slot. Over 200 special team snaps in the slot. Over, or excuse me, over 200 snaps in the slot. Sorry, uh, in, in four of his five years with the Minnesota Golden Gophers and has a ton of experience on special teams as well. So when you think about the thing that the New Orleans Saints love, when it comes to defensive backs, they love versatility and they love above the shoulders football. And Jordan Howden has drawn comparisons of two of the guys that are respectively um, top notch in either one of those categories or in one of the other of those categories. What I mean by that is that he has drawn comparisons to PJ Williams for his versatility. Remember the Saints re-signed PJ Williams 27 times to, to one-year deals just to keep him around because of the fact that he can take one roster spot and play a bunch of different roles and give you depth in a bunch of different roles and all of that. So similar to that, in terms of his versatility, flexibility, ability to be able to use him at a bunch of different um, uh, spots, PJ Williams, Jordan Howden. Jordan Howden is matching that comparison. The other piece of it is the above the shoulders football. Now, this might confuse, not confuse, but this might kind of draw a little bit of um, criticism when I say this, but hear me out. The mental side of his game has been compared to that a bunch to Marcus Williams, a guy that, that I love and respect and Brian Bienemy and I were talking about this earlier today on Twitter. 
And I know that when people hear that, they're going to say, well, Marcus Williams missed a tackle. I know, I know, I know. But when I'm talking about above the shoulders football, I'm talking about being able to see the field in front of him, see route concepts develop, be able to make a break on the ball, be able to anticipate where the ball is going. These are things that Marcus Williams did very well in the passing game. I know tackling was an issue. I know that there were some concerns about, you know, him. Um, really tackling was really the only thing. I mean, him as a coverage guy, like that was his brand. He was a ball hawking safety, all of those things. And that element, the, 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 all the things that you liked about Marcus Williams, those are the things that Jordan Howden is being compared to. Now, of course, these are comparisons. These are compliments that are coming up during OTAs. We don't yet know the entire truth. We don't yet know the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. We just know a whole bunch about what we're seeing early. So now the question is, can he be as consistent in terms of his versatility and fit as PJ Williams, which led to him getting 57 one-year contracts? Can he be as consistent and reliable when it comes to the mental side of the game, the above the shoulders football as a Marcus Williams that allowed him to be able to make plays and be in the right place at the right time? Those are the things you're going to have to wait to see. Can he do it over the course of longevity? Can he do it over the course of a season? Can he do it in full speed NFL action? Those questions still have to be answered. So please understand that a big thing that we're looking at here when we say, Ross does shop at Ross. A big thing that we're looking at here when we say that um, Jordan Howden, we want to see more from him. It's really coming from a positive side. We want to see more from him because he's shown up so well right off the bat. Now, can he continue it? Can he follow it up? Can he continue to bring all of that as he gets into minicamp, as he gets into training camp and climbs the ladder and gets more snaps and things like that? And that's a big thing that we're really looking for across all of the... um, Saints rookies, particularly over on the defensive side, Isaiah Foskey, can he get more snaps? He's gotten some snaps in team drills, but it's been towards the bottom, uh, not the bottom, but towards like the second, third team and stuff like that. But he's starting to get into that rhythm and starting to get into, you know, being displayed a little bit more, getting more opportunities, stuff like that. We saw Brian Brzee get his first first team snaps on Tuesday. Now, the other thing to keep in mind, too, is that The Saints will have had nine days of practice throughout OTAs, and media has seen three of them, right? So just because what we see on a Tuesday, we see on a Tuesday, doesn't mean that the same thing is happening on Wednesday and Thursday. So we have to leave a little bit of space for imagination, that when we say things like, well, Brian Brzee got his first snaps in first team on Tuesday of the last week of OTAs, that's true in terms of what we saw, but doesn't mean that he hasn't gotten them before. Similar thing here for Jordan Howden. Jordan Howden hasn't gotten a ton of snaps with first team, things like that. When Tyra Matthew was gone, JT Gray was in at safety, but it doesn't mean that he hasn't gotten some run at that position when we weren't around and things like that. So I am very curious to see a little bit more of Jordan Howden. Where else do they get him involved? How much more does he contribute? But the thing that I love the most about him, and then I'll wrap up here and we'll get to two more players that I want to see more of for different reasons than Jordan Howden. One of the things that I love about him is how much he communicates. And I'm talking about him communicating with M. Rob, Marcus Robertson, the Saints defensive line coach. He's communicating with Marcus Robertson while he's taking reps, while he's simulating reps and doing things like that. So he is all about that super exciting, you know, I want to get better. I want to continue to learn more. I want to be 1% better every day. He's bought into what the New Orleans Saints defense is and wants and all of those other things. So I'm a big fan of what we've seen from Jordan Howden so far. And I think. I can't wait to see more of him, mini camp, training camp, stuff like that. Going to be a ton of fun. All right, coming up next, let's take a look at 
Two more players that the new that we definitely want to see more from when it comes to New Orleans Saints players. Not both of them are rookies, but both of them are in a situation here opposite Jordan Howden to where maybe they haven't impressed as much as you wanted them to. So mini camp and training camp become big opportunities for them. We'll get to that as we continue on to wrap up today's episode of Locked On Saints, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it, Houdat Nation. Wrap it up today's episode of Locked On Saints with two players we want to see more from for reasons that are a little bit different than Jordan Howden. We liked what we saw from Jordan Howden. We want to see more of it. We like it. We love it. We want some more of it. But in this case, these are two players that didn't necessarily have the performances that we expected them to have during OTAs, but not anything irreversible, not anything in a situation to where we have to say, okay, well, these players have a downward trending arrow. They've got to fix it. It's not that. It's just a situation here to where we're saying, hey, these are guys that didn't necessarily rise to the occasion, didn't necessarily get as many opportunities, didn't show up in the way that we kind of expected. So I'm going to start here with A.T. Perry. If you're an everydayer, you've heard me talk about A.T. Perry here for a little bit, um, and you've heard me kind of mention some of the things that he needs to progress and work on. I'm not about to say anything super new or revolutionary here, but I'm going to try to talk about this from a little bit of a different angle. We've talked about the contested catches being something that he's come up short on so far all throughout training camp. Now, to give a little bit of context to that, one of those contested catch opportunities that he had on this most recent Tuesday, he had two of them, couldn't come up with either one of them. The second one was against Alante Taylor. And if you're going up against Alante Taylor, contested catches often aren't times 50-50 balls. They're more like 25-75 in favor of Alante Taylor. We've seen that against DeAndre Hopkins. We've seen that against Devontae Adams. Why would we expect it to be any different against A.T. AT Perry, right? So there is something there to be said about, okay, it's early. He's still adjusting. He had Alante Taylor in coverage, all of those other things. So there is that piece. But the other piece that you want to see him kind of clean up on are, of course, the concentration drops, the focus drops, same issues that he had during his time at Wake Forest where he was asked to do a lot of stuff. Now he's coming into the NFL where he's being asked to do less for now and should be able to get a little bit more comfortable and take advantage of that. Those things are going to be there. But why is this important? And the reason why this is important is because A.T. Perry is somebody that the Saints love. They really, really like him. And so I'm not just here saying, hey, A.T. Perry's got to get better at this because of the fact that he wants to make a roster. He might not make it, you know, he might not last in the practice squad or whatever. I'm saying this because like A.T. Perry, if he was a guy that ended up putting it all together, he would be an unstoppable force in the New Orleans Saints offense. Six foot three, six foot four, 200 pounds, running the way that he does in that 4-4 range, having the agility, the speed, the quickness that he has. If he added that contested catch ability at the level that the Saints expect that he'll be able to, if he was able to clean up those drops, if he was able to get a little bit more comfortable against zone coverage, which the zone coverage thing is going to take time. You're not going to figure that out in OTAs. That's a training camp thing. That's even an in-game type of a situation where you just kind of have to figure out what the speed of the game is. But if he puts all that together, 2024, 2025, 2026, his outlook is spectacular in those situations, especially not knowing and having a clear identification of what the future of Michael Thomas is with the New Orleans Saints beyond 2023. Remember, Michael Thomas is now on a one-year deal, and he's that quintessential X receiver that can go out there, fight for passes, get upfield quickly, uh, make contested catches, help you move the ball, help you move the chains, all of those things. And so when I look at where Michael Thomas is, 
There's a lot of reasons to be excited and hopeful about what he might be able to bring to you in 2023, but there's no guarantee that he's on this team in 2024, let alone 2025, 2026. And so by then, you're starting to look at a guy like A.T. Perry and saying, okay, well, if he has a solid enough showing as a rookie and shows enough development, shows enough, let's say, enough of a foundation upon which you have to build, you can start looking at A.T. Perry and saying, okay, well, you can see the future when it comes to him. So this is why this is important. This isn't a situation where I'm just saying, hey, A.T. Perry's fighting for a spot today. I mean, A.T. Perry's fighting for a really large role down the road if he can start to clean some of these things up. Now, if he can clean these things up in, in mini camps and training camp, that's great. But if he's able to clean up these things you know, moving forward as well, it gets even better for him. So when I say I want to see more from A.T. Perry, all that I'm saying is that it wasn't what we expected to see from him. He's got a lot of opportunity to be able to continue to clean it up. I look forward to seeing him take advantage of those opportunities. My next and last guy here, and I saw somebody say Shaq Davis, and I think that's a great selection. Shaq Davis is like 6'4", around that 200-pound spot, has some some okay speed, uh, but when you're that big, you don't necessarily need speed. He hasn't really had many opportunities to showcase and show up just yet, but you certainly look for opportunities to see him. But the guy that I really want to highlight here as we wrap up is Paul Sanadibo, New Orleans Saints corner. And listen, I, I have always been a big proponent of Paul Sanadibo. Before he was drafted, he was a guy that I highlighted and said he would be perfect for the New Orleans Saints. They went up, they traded up for him, they bring him in. He's the guy that's got great ball skills, that's got great recognition of routes, all of those things because of his former wide receiver ability. Somebody just said Peyton Turner in the chat. I was so close to saying Peyton Turner. I really, really was. And I think that there is something about wanting to see more of him too. But the thing about Paulson Adebo is like, dude, you're in a competition and not showing up for OTAs and things like that, unless there's a reason, which we just don't know yet. It could be personal. It could be home life. It could be family-related. It could be um, it could be injury-related. We, we just don't know at, at this time. And that's not unusual. Teams don't have to disclose injury stuff during the offseason. They're not required to, and therefore they never will, unless they really feel comfortable about the, the progress of that player. So there's a chance that that ends up you know, coming along at, in due time. But you're in the midst of a competition here. And in the midst of a competition with a guy that is balling out of control right now in Alante Taylor. Like Alante Taylor is so just like good on the field right now that like you could probably put him at edge rusher and he'll find a way to make plays. Like he's he's that on fire right now. And so when you look at that and then you look at Paul Sinadibo, who has been this incumbent cornerback too him not being there to continue to compete for his spot. And listen, I know it's early. It's only OTAs. Nobody's losing their job in OTAs, okay? This is all going to be a whole thing to where, you know, you look at mini camps and then really training camp becomes the proving ground. The Saints are going to have two different joint practices, one with the Houston Texans here in New Orleans, another with the Los Angeles Chargers in Los Angeles. It's actually in Orange County. Uh, But like all of those things coming together, will that's that's where the job is going to be won or lost. So Paulson Debo's got a lot of time here. But the early stuff still does matter. And this stuff still does get lumped into what it is that the Saints could be looking at in terms of their evaluation process and getting some early evaluation and all that. And that's what Minicamp kind of tells us. Minicamp gives us a little bit of a glimpse in terms of 
hey, who are the Saints? Who are the early runs right now? Who is the early run right now for the Saints? First team, second team, third team. What will that look like as training camp starts in July? All of that. So I do think that there is something there in terms of like, I would love to see more from Paul Sinadibo in that he's present and that he's competing and that he's working. And I think if he, if that happens, and again, it's not to say that he's not, he's just not showing up. He just hasn't been around when media has been around over the course of the past two weeks. Doesn't mean that he wasn't there the Wednesday and Thursday of those same weeks. And also doesn't mean that he's in a situation to where it was, you know, an injury or a, um, family matter or something like that. But look, when, when Dennis Allen was asked, Hey, is there a reason that, uh, Paul Sinadibo wasn't around? He just kind of said no. And that's a little concerning. And so with that, I'll, I'll put Paul Sinadibo up on this and say, Hey, Paul Sinadibo is a guy that you definitely want to see more from because you know, he's got it. I mean, you saw it his rookie season when he had what three, four interceptions. Sorry. I can't remember that off the top of my head. But you saw it there. You saw some of the big moments that he had in 2022, even though he gave up some big moments when he was dealing with injury and all these other things. So if he's healthy, get out there on the field, compete, show the people what you got. I'm a big fan of Paul Sonadibo's game. Want to see what he can continue to do. And would love to see 29 out there at minicamp training camp continuing to fight for his incumbent role. All right. Honorable mentions absolutely come through with guys like... um you know, Peyton Turner and uh, Brian Edwards and James Washington and Shaq Davis and some of these other guys. But those are the three that I really, really would like to highlight. I see a couple of questions in the chat. Keep sending them in. I'm going to use them for the third segment in tomorrow morning show, the Friday show. So keep sending your questions in. I'll try to get as many of them in as possible in tomorrow's episode. Uh, but we're also going to be taking a look at a couple of different things tomorrow as well. Just kind of recapping what went on through OTA, starting to preview mini camps, all those good things. So we got some great stuff for you as we continue on here on Locked on Saints. And I appreciate you so much, as always, for making me a part of your day, a part of your routine, for making us your first listen every single day. And of course, for saying yes to me and the show. As always, please, if you see me, take the time to say hi. I will always say hi back. And if you want to keep the conversation going one-on-one from here, head over to joinsubtext.com slash locked on. Saints. As always, if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.